Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, my good buddy, producer, executive producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want you walking away. Um, I've got to get these titles right. Um, my dude, how are you doing? You know, I'm I'm doing pretty good. The allergies are in like full force right now, so I know spring is on the way. I welcome it. Even if I can't breathe, I welcome it. Usually I'm Mr. Keep it cold as long as possible, but these uh, mornings of walking the dog when it's 17 degrees with a, like a five degree wind chill, <laughs> like, I mean, come on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. If I wanted that, I would have lived in Minnesota, right? Mm-hmm. Nice people, unbelievable summers, but I'm not doing winter up there. Heck no. So don't bring that winter to Missouri is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> also, I, w- I would have to be a Vikings fan and a, a, tons of respect for Vikings fans, but they've, they've suffered a lot. Cameron, <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of that. Yeah. But they've, they've been through it. I don't know if I'm wanting it to be put through it like that by my team. So I get it. Yeah, I get it. That's a football. That's a professional football team, Cameron. Oh, it's not literal Vikings. No. Okay. Yeah. No. Um. Anyway, dude, want to talk a little bit about what's going on with this? So, like, we kind of just made an on-the-fly decision that format stuff, standard explore, what we both playing, are what we're we are both playing. There's not a lot new to say. We're kind of on the cusp of Shadows Over Innistrad Remastered coming out. Um. But I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into this uh, bullet point that uh, you put in your your weekly news. So what's going on there, man? Yeah, um, I just got word from one of the Facebook groups that I follow uh, called Des Moines Eternal Magic that uh, it's official. Legacy <laughs> is dead at my local shop, which is, um, listen, I've contributed to that. Like, I am fully at fault for not supporting that format or at my shop anymore uh but it's just it's it's happened it's officially happened like it was like this one last like little island among a a desert of (laughs) you know the legacy around around the midwest honestly and so it's gone and um it's not the fault of the shop and you know it's just it can't compete with like modern being on the same schedule in the same day um and my, you know, like that shop has to, at the end of the day, they're still a business. They need to make the savvy business decision. And that is you support the thing that's going to bring in more bodies and more money. And that's modern. Um, so here we are. Um, just yet another, like, I mean, just kind of incredible to think that when we started this podcast, I think was like the official end of this slow downhill spiral of legacy. It feels like in some ways, everything from Star City not covering the events to just the insanity of, of um, you know, these card prices and the lack of reprints and the printing of everything else to the point where it's just completely worthless um, to local shops, just like having to say, call it quits. And and uh, here we are. Um, I'm part of the problem. I know that. Um, but once again, I was sitting on these cards that I was just not doing anything with. And um, there just wasn't a good turnout anymore. So here we are. 
I, I love how I think it may, might be the most Cameron thing ever that somehow you've turned this into a blame yourself situation. <laughs> somehow, Cameron, you've turned this into making it sound like it's your fault. It is. And, and I'm like astonished. <laughs> yes, Cameron, it was your decision to sell the underground seas that killed the format for the whole region. How dare no. you? <laughs> okay, it does sound like that, but no. I, I just, and dude, again, listeners might hear that and think there's no way Cameron is actually that genuine. Yes. And he is that capable of blaming himself. And here Curtis resides on the other end. It is all Watsy's <laughs> fault. How dare they, right? So let's meet in the middle here for a second, Cameron. Yeah. Because it, it's interesting to me, and I'm not. this is not me making a, oh, Iowa is always two years behind, yuck, yuck, yuck joke. Which is <laughs> <Just> um, <laughs> But, like, Modern doesn't fire at, like, the three shops next to mine. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm astonished that Modern is just crazy firing on all cylinders at your shop that's wild mm -hmm. like in, in my universe if you are not playing a pre-release you are playing commander end of story like one of the shops near me they have such trouble firing drafts that they've just decided to always make it sealed because usually it's two to four people that show up and they can't actually get an actual draft going right now of course, some store owners that are always looking to promote are always, oh, yeah, oh, we've got tons of standard players, right? And then you show up and there's three of them. Um, yeah. But, like, again, I show up and then there's all these commander tables, right? Um, and now it's kind of gotten to the point where it's bifurcated, where there are competitive commander knights and there oh. are casual commander knights. Um, I, look, I... I couldn't tell you the difference i just know that again this is not me tell, yucking someone else's yum and telling them they shouldn't enjoy commander but i can tell by the and, and you know my mentality better than anybody else when it comes to the kind of stuff cameron yeah there is zero chance i would enjoy commander there have been times i'm in the shop i'm at the front buying product a guy's behind me in line and then someone runs in from the other room and says johnny it's your turn he's like not even in the room while the game is being played <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah these things bother me right so cameron i am so sad for you right like are you just putting legacy as a it's kind of like destiny one or something you've experienced it and then yeah yeah it, it's like the nintendo eShop for the 3ds like it is <laughs> too soon man yeah. too soon <laughs> It's gone. I, I mean, like, I, I liquidated a lot of those cards um, twice over. Like, I just kind of got rid of everything, bought a new guitar because of it, which was awesome. Um, but, I, and honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm fine with that because there is something like Pioneer that still satisfies just a little bit of that non-rotating itch where I can just have this deck show up to a shop and... and you know, maybe win some games. Like that's really where I'm kind of at right now. Where I, I, if there's an actual tournament on the line, I might put in the reps and you know actually pay attention to the format better. But um, that's all I really want from from something like Pioneer from a non-rotating format. And yeah, it, I mean, it totally is like a huge feel bad. Um, just because, I mean, for a while there, 
I, I mean, honestly, from like the start of this show, when I would go to a Friday Night Magic and play standard and I would see all these guys playing Legacy and I'm like, oh my gosh, I want nothing more than to cast a brainstorm for the first time, you know? And I remember that. I remember like putting together like this suboptimal mono blue Delver list and having a ball for the first time. And to kind of just ride this wave for the last 10 years, um, I'm glad I got to experience it. Um, and yeah, it is a total feel bad. And it just, once again, just this w- real complicated feeling I have about just legacy, non-rotating magic in general, and how Watsy kind of just handles it. It just, it really is upsetting that there is no support for it. Just z- zero. And I mean, it's like... Th- that is Magic 30 to me, not, you know, like these premium ultra rare packs that cost $1,000, but legacy, vintage, all these things, creating support for that, celebrating the game, and we just haven't had it. So they're not going to support it. I'm not going to, you know, I guess waste any more breath on it. Requiem for a legacy player, right? Like, <laughs> um, though I... I will say, like, in their, in their, like, I mean, craven levels of greed, it would be nice if they would just print some ridiculous back border, like, legacy masters. Like, if they printed a Stoneblade versus Delver, like, dual deck that was, like, a premium legacy area, you know, they could charge a lot for that. Yeah. And I would heavily consider purchasing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you could really get some some really good and that could be direct to market you know whatever i mean i would prefer to buy it from a card shop of course but you know we kind of live in this place where there is going to be a level of nostalgia that maybe it's just you and i hopping on magic online one night and going hey let's Seriously, play yeah. rug delver versus stone blade or rug delver versus maverick you know just you know once we retire and we got that time we could do that right yeah yeah um I'm kidding. They're not going to let anybody in our age category retire. We're just going to drop dead on the job one day. Um, but anyway, the point being is I feel bad for you, but I'm also kind of jealous that you got to hold on for this long. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I knew like it was always a ticking clock, <laughs> really. Like Just without the support, it was always going to be a ticking clock. Yeah, and there's somebody out there that, you know, is going to be like very existential and be like, you know, nothing lasts forever. We're all on a, you know, I get it. Yeah. yeah. But this is like the opportunity versus what actually happened is just so out of alignment. It's, it's such, such a bummer. Um, yeah. And Pioneer does a decent imitation of that kind of magic. I feel like, yeah, modern has never resembled what legacy was because of the archetypes that were kind of fostered throughout like modern has always been a much more ships passing in the night kind of format by nature of the card pool right there's never been this like wasteland fetch land force of will days like that whole thing yes those key cards for sure yeah that, that kind of interaction of like what land you get and why what's the actual sequencing the sequencing like concerns in modern are just so different um yeah dude i i don't know that i have something to follow that up with so um i i gotta be honest with you we 
I also have some complicated feelings about this Lord of the Rings set. Mm. I want to I want to help like I know that there's probably some of our audience that are like Curtis is going to complain about this like crazy. And yes, some of some of it. Some of it I don't mind and some of it is just some of the most befuddling thing. All right. Have like okay, so first of all, they're reprinting some cards. There's like Bridge of Khazad Doom is like ensnaring bridge. There's a wasteland variant, right? Um, that is apparently a mythic rare. Now, keep in mind these are all modern legal. So does that make wasteland modern legal? It's about time. <laughs> this is what I'm really, I'm really confused by. So like. Is it because it's not currently legal in modern that it doesn't carry over? Yeah. Okay. I I don't know, man. Yeah. Because they've explicitly said this is modern legal. For example, the One Ring, which we're getting to, is modern legal. Okay? But, like, I wrote this, like, the power level is reared. Have you seen this Aragorn and Arwen card? (laughs) No, I haven't. It, it is a six mana, three six vigilance with you get to put a one one counter on each other creature. This is a mythic rare for a modern set, Cameron. Yeah. What is this? Six mana? Um, a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, this is like a kind of card that would be like really good in like 1997. Sure. And it would be like a limited, like uncommon powerhouse. Maybe. (laughs) I don't think it would be a rare in a modern set, like a modern standard set. Yeah. So there's that. There's these reprints, which I'm still kind of confused about what they are and are not legal in. Um, and then, and then there's just, okay. So first of all, let's, let's start here, Cameron. Sorry. I'm like all over the place. What is, how is this set hitting you? This is going to come out in the summer in place of a core set. Just so you know. Okay. So, um, first and foremost, basic lands, I flipping love. When I saw the planes with the Shires kind of like map over it, I'm like, this is this is hitting for me in a way that I was not quite expecting with the whole set. Um, that was the thing that I was immediately drawn to, and I was like, this is this is perfect. This is exactly like what I want. It's just like give me the lay of the land. I want to see that Lord of the Rings map that I revisited. I don't know how many thousands of times as I was reading the books. Yep. Yep. And just seeing that just has like this, I don't know, this evocative nature that, man, I love. I love, I love, I love. Um, so that's first and foremost. Um, you know, like, it, it's weird. Like, my relationship with, like, I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, speaking very broadly for myself, but like everybody, you have a very specific idea probably. If you're a Magic player and a Lord of the Rings pl- uh, fan, and that Venn diagram comes together, 
you probably have a very specific specific idea of like what Gandalf is as far as like a color. (laughs) So there's like certain things like that, that just like, okay, whatever. It's just artist interpretation. And it's like the R and D's team's interpretation of what these are. But at the same time, it just feels a little like, yeah, I don't maybe quite agree with that. And that's just like a fan who has a very specific idea when I'm reading these books, what I would imagine as far as like, if this was a magic set, I guess. Um, so there's that. And then, yeah, I guess like you, I am kind of all over the place with this. Like there's certain things that are really cool, very evocative. And I love the, like, I I don't know. Like there's other parts of it that just don't, to your point, like the, the Aragon and Arwen wed thing, like that card, I just, I don't need it. You know, like there's certain things that just don't get me excited. That is one of them. So, um, dude, I don't know. I don't know. I just want the basic lands. (laughs) So the basic lands are sweet. And I would say like, I, I think this is not a, um, flavor fail for me. In the same way that Dungeons and Dragons was not like the the way in which it overlaps. Like, look, Magic is just a is a knockoff. Like, so many things are a knockoff of Lord of the Rings. That Lord of the Rings just fits really well with this stuff. Uh, whenever, so, like, if you knew nothing about any of this, and someone played Sam Loyal Attendant in a green white deck, like if you're playing Commander, you like it does not clash in the same yeah. way that Transformers or Fortnite or Street Fighter or Walking Dead. Or heavy metal album covers, uh, or black and yeah. white photos. None of those things clash, and we've already gone down that road. So for these, it's like it's not really jarring to look at. And you're right, the basic lands are sweet, and I actually like the artifacts in Elvish. I think that looks sweet too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, you're, you're so f- flavor-wise, some of the color things just don't make a lot of. They don't jive for me. Gandalf being a blue-red wizard is all like pretty much the most like egregious and it is Gandalf the gray surely they'll have Gandalf the white but I how is that not blue green or blue white like whatever mm-hmm. uh, it just doesn't make a lot of sense it's like when they made Robin Hood red remember that oh yeah it's like yeah what is happening here <laughs> um and then the power level thing like Mount Doom is just kind of crappy and Sauron is a five mana four four. <laughs> what? That's exactly how it is. Uh, immortal Lord of all evil. He's yeah. about a four four. <laughs> He's a four four. Flying? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so some of them landed for like I like the Tom Bombadil. I like some of that stuff. So um Yeah, I guess I guess like it doesn't clash with me in the way that some of these other things do. I'm not really like super hurt by it by it being modern legal because I've already kind of written off that format and maybe I'm alone there. Um, I guess some of these things can't be modern legal, right? Because then there's no way they're going to make Soul Ring legal. No, in modern no way, right? Yeah. So um, I just don't know the messaging on that. Now, the I and by the way, a lot of the artwork's really good. Really like the vibes, the artwork. We should talk about the one ring thing because mm. it is I don't 
just when you think we can't go like one deeper on the kind of slimy nature of some of the things regarding magic, um, here we are. Uh, there is a one ring that is a one of one that is floating around Willy Wonka's golden ticket style. Okay. And someone will likely open it. Maybe. I think it can only be found in collector's packs, but don't hold that hold me to that. Um but it's just floating around. And uh price things have gotten kind of out of control. People think it will be as expensive, if not more expensive, than a black lotus. Um so my question is, Cameron, how excited for you for the next set when we put scratch off tickets directly into the packs? <laughs> Seriously. Uh here's my hope. Some nine-year-old opens it up, has no idea what he or she has, and it just gets tossed and thrown away. And Wizards maybe just has no idea that how to track this card. Because, like, that's my question is, like, how are they tracking this card? You know, I mean, like, are they they know the specific box that they're shipping to this specific store. Like, I, everything about it just is so weird and maybe just slightly sketchy to me i i i don't know that i would use the word slightly um <laughs> like the whole thing feels like and, and you'll and you'll know like if it gets open on a twitch stream or a youtube stream that hmm something was very up though i started to work through the mental gymnastics of this and how on flavor this thing could be for actually being the one ring because it could very literally destroy your life Think about this, Cameron. Let's live in a world <laughs> where this card is actually worth like 500 grand. Not unreasonable, right? Yeah, yeah. You open it in a pack. What happens next? How do you get rid of it? How do you trust people? Who do you trust to let know that you have it? It's the same problem as opening a lottery ticket, right? Mm -hmm. And tangentially, you know, I, I've interacted with someone that won the Powerball. And they were basically told, get out of the country right now and be gone for like six weeks. Right now, this, that was a, a fair chunk of change more. But like, you just can't post this on eBay. No. Like, what do you do? How do you, how do you know? Like, again, it's, it's not unreasonable to think this card could be worth a million dollars, Cameron. Mm -hmm. Right? Is it Once safe again, in like, your house? I, I could be opening this like, oh, wow, Smeagol is behind me and then brains yeah. me to death and takes it. <laughs> right, right. So what happens, and I want this to be on air, a covenant between you and I. If one of us opens this card, uh, which is highly unlikely because you and I basically never buy collector's boosters, <laughs> um, we are going to reenact Mount Doom. And I'm going to be like, cast it into the fire! <laughs> And then you're going to look at me and go, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cash that sucker out, and that's so long. I'm done, guys. Bye. <laughs> but, like, le legitimately, though, how does the oh. average person unload this card? How does that happen? Yeah. Uh, there's a person, at MTG Dustin. Just <laughs> <laughs> reach out. <laughs> He's already on it. He's already hunting yeah. this sucker down. But I, I couldn't help but think whenever this was all going on, thinking of the uh, the McDonald's Monopoly scam. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, 
how do we even know that it's randomly been placed? How do we know oh, that the person, yeah. like, you yeah. know? Oh, you know, if it is randomly placed and it ends up on a pallet that doesn't sell, it's just like bulk chaff, and it gets sent to that dump <laughs> that the rest of those other magic cards were at, whoo, chef's kiss right there, man. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I, I don't know, like... I just immediately went to like, is this like a no country for old man situation? Seriously, like, yes. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm being serious. Like, I don't know how I would get rid of this card. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, the like, safest. How do you value that? Like, what is the value of that? Right. Like, at what point are you getting gypped? Like, it, yeah. And almost assuredly, no one that is a dealer in my life right like that is a card shop owner could afford this right mm -hmm. so then i asked them to get in touch who knows who they're gonna tell then i'm like concerned about you know security of the card i mean i guess i like immediately put it in a safety deposit box like yeah but yeah, dude you open this in the shop like i'm guys stomachs bother me i'm out of here like yeah, it would show no yeah. one yeah so scary and then you just disappear like Frodo, invisible. Yeah, Dude. I just I've <sighs> seen too many web documentaries where people <laughs> who have become like memes or whatever it's like ruined them, right? Yeah, yeah. And like, this has got that written all over it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, good luck to you out there if you uh, happen to open this. Yeah. yeah. Um. Just sitting around the Council of Elrond and like everybody's discussing like what to do with this this card, dude. It's you're, you're right. This is like very on brand for like what the One Ring is. Yeah. <laughs> also, really not a good thing. Um, in case you know you're out there, you read the books and missed the subtext because you know those people are out there. Mm -hmm. um, you know the people that uh, are concerned about X Men being about equality all of a sudden. You know. <laughs> Yeah, you really don't want to attach this to your uh, your four four Sauron. <laughs> God, that's so stupid. All right, um, <laughs> uh, Lord of Evil over several thousands of years and two ages of Middle Earth. It's a four four. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. Uh, Aragorn. Uh, a long, long-awaited return of the king, right? Why? By the way, why is that card not just Kenrith? Why is Aragorn? Because that is what Ar Kenrith Seriously, is. Seriously, yeah, right, yeah. Anyway, <sighs> yeah. Uh, hey, you know what might pep you up some? Trashing on historic and alchemy. Hey, <laughs> MTG Goldfish, they um posted um today. Kind of in the morning, uh, I should say Saffron Olive, their data on historic and alchemy, right? Uh, and they just do <coughs> new uh, historic decks submitted to them by uh, the year, right? Like year over year. Here's what else is interesting. Um, there is this chart. If you scroll down through this Twitter thread, there's this chart that was like very uh, well known that Watsi published that was like, oh, hey. Um, lots of people are playing historic, mm -hmm. but apparently, and what I did not know until I read this thread, they were counting historic brawl in with regular historic. 
right? Juicing the numbers. Yeah. Um, and also, Alchemy probably includes all the new player onboarding, new player matches, all those things, right? So, Cameron, what we're, we're going to make it happen. We're going to will it into existence because I want to play with Snapcasters. Supposedly, Pass in Flames is also getting printed in this Innistrad Remastered. Mm. I want to go to that place, Cameron. I want to play. Is it, you know what? Pass in Flames might have already been printed on Arena. I don't know. Point is, I would like to play with some of these amazing historic cards in a format that I can care about that doesn't have alchemy cards. Somebody wants to play alchemy cards. Hey, let's. We have a historic for them now. Go yeah. enjoy it. You know. Um, how how is this just just everything that has ever been released on on arena make that a format <laughs> call that did it, historic 2.0 that also you exists know? in paper yes there's there's our yeah. proviso but yeah dude i i again i continue to be tempted but never even close to enough whenever they reprint tarmogoyf or, you know, any of these things. I'm like, oh, God, I would love to play with that card. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Never mind. They did a historic metagame challenge, and I looked. And here's the alarming thing is whenever you'll see this, people will say, well, here, here's what's great. Alchemy cards actually don't show up that often. Is that great? Is that is that a good sign? Yeah. Seems like it's the opposite. <laughs> It seems like it's it's not doing the thing you want it to do then. Yeah. Right? It's only going to show up randomly and be really annoying. So, hard pass. Right? So, Cameron, let's just do this. Let's just call it Legacy. Legacy on Arena. Oh my gosh. It's dead everywhere else. Rebrand it. Let's let's do this. Yeah. How Look, Watsy, if you're listening, get the money guy on the line. I will spend so much money, so much money if you put Legacy or a mm-hmm. version to get us to Legacy on Arena. Please do that. That's what I have, right? I'm right there with you, dude. I mean, I would buy a lot of gold cards with actual money. I would buy – let's just keep juicing this. Let's just keep getting them into this. I would buy the most premium of skins, Cameron. So many premium skins and Ooh. season passes. Oh, my God. It would be amazing. Yeah. Okay, hopefully that gets into their algorithm and they'll, they'll yeah. hear it. I would be so activated. I would log in all the time. <laughs> right. <sighs> uh, anyway, so, Cameron, let's get out of this segment, come back, talk about what else we've been up to. All right, Cameron, so I'm a little worried about you here because it says Star Trek Picard update. And when we had last left this saga, you were happy. Things were looking up. You were enjoying where things were headed. I want to feel that that's the case still, Cameron. That's what I want. It is. I am so thrilled with this show, dude. Uh, Like, I can ignore... Honestly, like the last two seasons of Star Trek Picard and the last four movies with the next gen cast. If this had just like if we had ended on season se- 
or yeah, season seven of the next gen. And we just jump ahead 30 years and here we are and we're actually getting reintroduced to all these characters, which we have no background on or anything. I think I would love this. Like everything that they're doing with this show, if it feels the most cinematic as far as like a Trek movie since like the first J.J. Abrams for me, which was oh, wow. like, you know, like hardcore, like that is a s- movie of Star Trek. Um, this is just, it, it, it's hitting all the right notes for me. Um, the characters are all there. They're acting the way that they should be acting as far as like these characters that we've known for decades now. Um, and so I'm just like continually just kind of pleasantly surprised like where they're heading with this show. Um, they've introduced a bad guy that is kind of like a classic Trek villain in the 90s. And um, it's not the Borg, which is just kind of refreshing. And so like all of that has just... Um, I don't know, rejuvenated my, like, I am so glad they got a new showrunner on this show because you can actually tell it is night and day different um, as far as what it is. So I guess if you are a Star Trek fan and you have written off all of (laughs) the past two seasons of Picard, which, you know, I completely 100% understand. I think you can jump into this, completely ignore those two seasons and come into this with fresh eyes and and be thoroughly just engaged and entertained in um, really, um, really good movie Trek fashion. I know Picard has a thing with the Borg, right? But mm-hmm. I can't go into the details of it. Even I think it's played out. Yeah. Like all the time with the Borg and Picard. Like, yeah. yeah. You, you were saying <laughs> other, other villains. I'm like, he has other villains besides the Borg. Like, yeah. There is a great uh, Simpsons episode where it's like, I care. It's like Star Trek 12, the whatever voyage. And, and like they play like a little trailer from whatever the Star Trek 12 is. And like Kirk again with the Klingons, you know, it's just like that sort of thing. That's what it really kind of felt like with like, OK, do we have to go to the Borg again? You know, so it's really great that it just feels fresh. You're going to kill me for saying this. But I feel outsider not a trekkie want to be clear here Mm -hmm. but the borg are not nearly as interesting to me as the klingons because i feel like the klingons there's like variability in kind of like the politics of it oh yeah where the borg like i feel like we kind of got version two of that with the cylons and the new battlestar galactica yeah and while that didn't execute at the end i think that first two seasons was really something with like what it was like an AI versus humans and all this stuff. Like it was different than the Borg and Terminator and all these things, right? Yeah. Let me just tell you something. The what you just said there, that the Klingons are more interesting to you than and then you just that is such a Ronald D. Moore answer of what you just gave. It makes perfect sense why you are a Battlestar Galactica fan. Because yeah. the best Star Trek episodes that Ronald Moore wrote were about the Klingon pol- the political thing. Like, he wrote, like, giant blocks of that, and they're very famous episodes. Um, so what I'm saying is, like, uh, kindred spirit, you and Ronald Moore. Yeah. Well, and I loved his run on Outlander. I, he's not the showrunner for that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think he's on something else, and I can't remember what it is. Um, but, no, like, just just to illustrate this point, like, I've not seen a lot of his Star Trek stuff, right? But I've seen, whatever, three or four seasons of Outlander plus four seasons of BSG that he did. And 
probably my favorite TV writer showrunner, like pretty easily. Um, I think behind that would be what's the guy's name that did The Wire? Something Simon. Yeah, um, I, I know he. I don't know his name. Yeah, uh, which was so unfortunate. The the Lance Reddick who was in The Wire and also a video game actor, and he's also in Bosch. He just passed away like yesterday. Yeah, um, yeah, I heard. Yeah, super sad. Yeah, um, and I mean his character in The Wire is one of the the most iconic characters in television, like of that HBO era, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, hey, Cameron, it's time for the Fab Minute with Curtis. Um, so uh, here's the thing. I was like, hey, Cameron, you should go to a pre-release, right? Here's here's kind of the good and bad of that. So um, my area had several pre-releases. I want to say like seven or eight, but they are capped based upon the amount of product. So basically you have to like get into a pre-release. Um, so most of the pre-releases were capped at 16 people. They had some really good prize support from the, the game studio, not so much necessarily from the stores. Um, but here's, here's why I think you should not ever pre-release. The time that you're going to learn fab is the time that you and I sit together and learn it. Yeah. Because uh, this, is a, this is a sealed deck format, right? And this is my first interaction with Limited on uh, Flesh and Blood. And I thought, oh, well, maybe that means it will be more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Accessible. And Cameron, this is one of the heroes, one of the six heroes. So whenever you build a deck, you pick one of six heroes to play with. This is one of the heroes. Look at that text box. And this is the thing that Flesh and Blood battles like crazy is the complexity there is more than the barrier to entry which i'll get to in a minute in terms of cost more than barrier to entry in terms of the community which is unbelievable easily the best card game community i've ever been around i would put it past legacy in magic like it is incredibly welcoming but this thing like usury for those of you who play flesh and blood is who i just sent to cameron this ability is basically ninjutsu okay it's that's what it is but it reads like a magic card from 1996, right? And this is the thing is they're still kind of battling with managing the complexity versus the accessibility. Now, because there's so much complexity, it's incredibly rewarding when you get to the other end of that, right? Um, I've had the best time that I've had at a pre-release in years and years and years. Like, I had a blast. I went two and two. I understood what I was doing. I played an assassin um, character named Arachne, and uh, he's one of the six that you can pick. So the hero characters are like tokens. So you automatically get to choose a hero and their weapon for free. And then, so you draft, and it's a lot like guilds in Ravnica or whatever, right? There's cards that are effectively colorless that you can that anybody can play in their deck. And then there's some that are like their assassin and ranger class or assassin and ninja class. And then, so basically your deck, like if you're playing this character, you have to only play assassin cards, generic cards, right? That's it. Um, The games were so incredibly intense. Um, I lost to one of my opponents in a game of limited on the last card in their entire deck. Okay. So the game is super well engineered um, and really, really fun to draft. Um, I, or I should say play sealed. I've really like that element of it, but I think whenever you or anybody that's listening is interested by this game, 
you really need to hop online, get some good online resources, watch like a how to play video just because the depths of it are very deep. That being said, because the game doesn't functionally rotate in the same way as Magic, there are people that are specialists. Like, there's going to be somebody that's an Uzuri specialist, and they only play Uzuri, and they only buy those cards and those kinds of things, right? Um, but it's just, like, the whole consistency of the, the game, the consistency of the feel, the value mm. of the cards. Cameron, I was sitting there, and for the first time in ages, somebody goes, hey, you got any trades? Whoa. Uh, <laughs> And we traded some cards. Um, fun fact, they used to be called trading card games. He's so weird. So I, I would say that um, I, I had a blast. I want to just keep pushing this game out to people that are maybe a little disenfranchised or want something a little bit different. But I also want to say this. You do not have to be one or the other, right? Like there are a ton of guys in my flesh and blood scene that are Pokemon players. Like, more than Magic players, there's a lot of Pokemon guys, and they use it as their other game. I still play Arena, like, every day, and Flesh and Blood is kind of mentally like another format for me, if that makes sense. Yeah, It just helps kind of freshen things up a little bit, Um, but I've just, yeah, I can't say enough positive about the design and feel. Is it perfect? No. Uh, Is it expensive at the high levels? Maybe a little too expensive. It's it's not as expensive as a modern deck, but there that there are cards that are certainly getting up there. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to keep pushing this game to people that are maybe looking for something fresh because it's super good. The other thing, Cameron, is when they release the single player mode, I'm just gonna buy one of those for you and just send it to you. Okay. <laughs> You're just gonna get it in the mail one day. It's just gonna be a pleasant little surprise. What is this? Yeah, cool, dude. I. I I know I keep on saying this, like it is super intriguing. I just need to pick a couple nights during the week and and check it out and figure it out and watch some tutorials and do all that stuff. I just, um, I just need to get into it, you know. And I'm sure if as soon as I do, uh, it will just become kind of second nature, like you, as far as like another format. Yeah, and for you and for me. The issue isn't because, yes, the physical cards can be expensive, but both online clients, there's an online client that's versus AI that's quite good. There's an online client that's only against other people that plays a lot like Magic 3.0. Those are both entirely free. Like you could learn how to play this game digitally entirely free. It's the time commitment for me and I'm sure for you that's like that's where it gets a little bit dicey, right? Um, And, you know, I've said this before and, you know, for you, maybe it won't be this way. But for me, it's been a real uh, pride-swallowing siege of like, oh, this is not a game that comes as easily to me as Magic. So I've had to like kind of get kicked in the teeth a lot. And then, you know, to the point that I go two and two out of a pre-release and I'm like high-fiving my wife. I'm so excited. <laughs> right? Um, Welcome to my world, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Well, if someone would like to get a hold of you and convince you to play Flesh and Blood, where could they find you, Cameron? It's all on Twitter at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at SpikeBeatMTG. We'll check you guys next week.